Welcome into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palmer. My partner, Amal Shaw, is back today. Big program on tap. Linda Cohn's going to join us in 45 minutes. Preview the NHL playoffs. Linda, of course, from ESPN. Well, Amal, NBA's coming down to the final few days. Almost every game now has playoff implications since we go down to 10 seeds now, right, to get in these play-in games. Uh, uh, what have you seen here the past few days? Well, I've realized that the NBA regular season has become officially the NBA All-Star game. Last night, Portland put up a 50 spot in the first half. What the hell are the Houston Rockets doing? I mean, I looked at the All-Star game. I went back and looked. There were fewer points scored in the first quarter of the All-Star game than there were last night in Portland between the Rockets and the uh, Portland Trailblazers. Where I think they wound up with 83 or something like that. And uh, Milwaukee and uh, uh, Milwaukee and San Antonio put up 270 as well. I think almost 90 points in the first half for the Spurs last night. Yeah, I tell you what, that's a serious crime uh, in terms of your defensive effort. If you're allowing the San Antonio Spurs to score that many points, as you alluded to last night against the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, and you're absolutely right, 87, 45 four, uh, in the first and 42 in the second quarter. You know, look, I get these guys can shoot the ball. When the Spurs shoot 59% from the three-point line and 60% from the floor, that's just a lack of defensive effort. That's all it is. Nobody should be shooting 60% on you. Yes, I understand you can have an aberration defensively. A team gets hot. But for four quarters to shoot that high of a percentage, think about this. Their worst shooting percentage last night was from the three-point arc at 59%. 81 from the foul line. Had an off night there. They must have – I don't know why they missed. They're so used to not being guarded anyway. <laughs> It's just a shorter three for them. That's exactly. With, with the playoffs starting, and when they do start them all, does the switch flip and all of these teams start to put more effort defensively? Yeah, it really is. And that's kind of just frustrating from the standpoint of when you're betting on these games. Why is it? You know what I find so hard, Mike? And you know this long time ago. I used to bet a lot of NBA. And one of the things was there was more consistency. You know, nowadays, the first thing you're checking in the lineup, particularly the L.A. Clippers, I'm referring to you, whether Kawhi's going to play, Paul George is going to play, or anyone, anyone else on that roster is going to be available but more importantly, I just find it very difficult to bet. You've almost got to bet all these games over the total. And then it's the one day where you bet a total over and it doesn't go over. It's because the team decides to shoot 40%. You know, I took Orlando at home uh, the other day against uh, Indiana. Pacers couldn't miss a shot and the Magic were tragic. And they were down 27 at the break. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You just don't know what type of effort you get out of some of these teams. Are the Lakers and the Knicks the only two teams still playing defense in the NBA? It sure seems like it. You know, don't forget to include the 76ers. I'm not sure if they make a defensive effort. I just know they're taller than everybody with they're Joel so Embiid. They're so long. And they Simmons. Are. And Simmons, yeah. it's exactly right. Utah, though, they're the one team, I think, when you look at They're a team, when you say as a collective, because of what they can do defensively, how they are offensively. I think that's why a lot of people have liked them throughout the course of the season. But to me, you're right. You know, you look at the Knicks. That's what's been the key to this turnaround. Tom Thibodeau's team has actually bought in. They played defense. I'm just glad to see an, any NBA team actually listening to a head coach. Yeah, we take a look at the top five defensive rating teams. Lakers uh, and 76ers tied from, uh, for first at a 106.8. Jazz just behind them, 107.7. The Knicks at 108.1. And the Warriors, you think of the Warriors as a freewheeling three-point shooting team uh, with Steve Kerr, 109.2, rounding out the top five. Our notes here say... The common link between these top five teams, they all have very strong head coaches. Frank Vogel and Quinn Snyder will be happy to know they're headed to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I don't know if they're headed to the Hall of Fame, but Steve Kerr's going to get in. Uh, but, you know, when you look at it, Kerr's got a pedigree coming from having won championships in San Antonio and Chicago, and then, of course, is the coach of the Warriors. The common denominator is all great teams. It's very, very rare, and I can't think of too many teams that win championships that can't get stops at the defensive end. You're going to have to be able to do that throughout the course of the postseason. You're looking at potentially 28 games maximum. You're looking at a minimum of 16 games. If you're going to be able to go through in that quick fashion, you've got to really be able to defend. Flip side here, 
the bottom five teams defensively. The very worst, your Sacramento Kings, 116.8, followed by the Trailblazers, Timberwolves, Rockets, and Magic. Trailblazers, the only team amongst the bottom five that we're going to see in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, they have the ability to score. When you look at them offensively with McCollum and, of course, Damian Lillard, it's just a difference in terms of what they could do. But you look at, you mentioned it, the Rockets and the Magic, absolutely horrendous when you look at the standings and where these teams are. Uh, obviously going to be in the draft lottery. Let's see if they can change their fortunes with some good picks. You think the Trailblazers, given the fact that they're second-worst defensive team in the league, you can almost find them as a play against here in the first round in the play-in game? I love that point you make. I think absolutely. Now, in the play-in game, I don't know necessarily depending they're probably on gonna, They're probably going to be able to avoid it. And the Lakers are probably going to end up with the seven. Yeah, it seems to be yeah. the case. But to me, it really comes down to where they match up or who they match up with. This is the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Samal Shaw. In about 40 minutes, we'll have Linda Cohn of ESPN join the program to talk all things NHL. Of course, the Stanley Cup playoffs on the horizon. We're not quite sure yet. They're going to finish out the string of games with uh, in the Northern Division. But they're, they're, they're just probably just about a week away, Amal. We've been talking NBA here in the first segment. And now, every day in the NBA the majority of games have playoff implications with 20 teams now making the playoffs because of these play-in games seeding one through 10. And tonight is no exception. Yeah. But do you really consider them playoff teams? Like those two, uh, four teams, there's a four or eight teams that play on those Tuesday and Wednesday in Dayton. I mean, do you really say they're NCAA tournament teams? No, but the seven and the eight are playing at least in the NBA in the West. That would be playoff teams. They are, but let me know once we get the eight teams, I think it's interesting. I think it's a lot of fun from a betting perspective, the one game scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think I was looking at a couple of unders there. What I, one of the first things I'm going to do is compare what the point total of these two matchups are compared to what you see in the regular season, two per conference, that is. And then take a look at that, because I do think that's where the defensive intensity will be ramped up a little bit as you get towards the second half and down the stretch of those games. I want to take a look at some of the teams uh, that are on the bubble with the odds of to make or to miss the playoffs here. And I want to start with the Washington Washington Wizards. Uh, Beal obviously was out. He's going to be out again the next game. Right now, currently, they are at plus 120 to make, minus 155 to miss the playoffs. Wait, let me ask you this just for clarity. If you are one of the 10 teams and you play in the playing game, are you a play? Are you in the playoffs? you got to be amongst the eight. Okay, gotcha. It All has right. to be because they're two and a half games ahead of the that's bowl, why so I'm they'd a, be a heavy I, That's why I'm asking, right. but because I, it's my understanding that mm-hmm. if you're in one of the 10, yeah. you're in the playoffs. So yeah. I wanted to get clarity on that. So, mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. Right now they're sitting a game and a half behind the Charlotte uh, Hornets. So that's an area where I, I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome that because don't forget the Indiana Pacers are just a game back. So you've got a team in the middle there as well. So this would be who comes amongst the final eight. So let's say it ended today. Would they beat the Celtics in the play-in game is what this odds are, basically. Right? Are they going to win the way through the play-in to be amongst the final eight once we get to the final eight? So as it sits I, today. Well, remember, they got to win two games. Yes. If they're in the, ten, if they're in ten, the nine seven. or tens. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So seven plays eight, the nine plays ten. Correct. Uh, to me... Um, You know, I think there's an opportunity for Washington just based on those other teams. Charlotte with injuries. Indiana Pacers been inconsistent. I think uh, Washington's got a great chance of Bradley Beal if, if, if Bradley Beal is healthy. On the other side in the West, the Lakers currently sitting in the seven and have to be in the playoff format. Minus 2,000 to make it. Plus 850 if you think they would get eliminated. They don't get above the Blazers, and then they get eliminated in the play-in situation. Well, does this, does this include the fact that the NBA will give them certain officiating crews? <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm sure it's baked into the number. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Uh, you know, you have to like their chances. You look at Golden State, they're probably a team that's going to emerge. Now, remember, the winner of the Lakers-Golden State game gets in, and then you've got to play one more game against Memphis and San Antonio. Uh, 
You know, it's funny. I was looking at some numbers on John Morant, excellent player, but I, I'm a big deer and Fox guy. I have been since this kid came out of the Houston area and went to Kentucky. I get offended when people try and compare John Morant to De'Aaron Fox. They're not in the same area code. We know that because one's actually in Memphis and the other one's in Sacramento. But more importantly, they're just not the same player. I, I don't understand the comparison. John Morant would have to have a terrific game. I think Memphis is capable of pulling off the upset. I don't think they will. If San Antonio gets past Memphis, assuming this is how it aligns going into the postseason, I think Memphis has got a chance to get past the Spurs, and I think the Lakers or Golden State are in a favorable position regardless of who has to play one of those two teams. If you like the Warriors in that spot, they're a pick them on a 26-cent line. Minus 113 either way, make or miss the playoffs. I like the Warriors very much to make Mm -hmm. it now. I believe they're going to have to win two games. I don't think they'll beat the Lakers because I think LeBron will pull his Willis Reed and show up, and I think Anthony Davis will play well against the the under 6'5 Warriors, and I think they've got a great chance. Yeah. Let's take a look at tonight's slate in the NBA. I'm all obviously... Some key matchups heading into the playoffs, both in terms of getting in and, more importantly, in terms of seeding. Let's start off with these two great defensive teams. The Knicks travel to the, uh, travel out west to take on the Lakers uh, at the Staples Center. Now, these teams met earlier in the month in Madison Square Garden. Knicks took care of business. Remember this total was fluctuated between 205 and 207 in right. that game, and it ends up just eking over uh, 111 to 96. Of course, the Knicks won that game. LeBron, of course, is out. <clears throat> Kuzma, Gasol, Caldwell, Pope, all listed as day-to-day. Lakers still a five-and-a-half point favorite. Total up now, 213-and-a-half. So we see it seven-and-a-half points higher than it was just less than a month ago. Yeah, that's a great point you make in terms of the adjustment. Remember, Schroeder's still out at the point guard position. Mm -hmm. His quickness in terms of dribble penetration, I think, can't be overstated. And we did see an impressive win by the Lakers Sunday night against the Phoenix Suns. Can they continue that? When you look at it from a Lakers perspective, and I'm not trying to dismiss the fact that they could still catch Portland. Remember, the Blazers have played 69 games. The Lakers have played 68. There's going to be 72 regular season games. So I think there's some value in this one for the Lakers because you could potentially avoid having to play at least one, if not two additional games. Uh, So I give the edge to the Lakers. I'm not sure if they cover, but Mike, do we look at this game under? You talked about these two teams from a defensive efficiency standpoint. Number one, and I think number three or four in the league between the Lakers and the Knicks and how well they defend. A little bit higher total than we saw at MSG. Now an opportunity here without having LeBron in the lineup who can facilitate so much. Yeah, I, I don't know the reason for the move of seven and a half points. And that game finished really right on the number. Yeah. Right? It, it depended on when you got it. It ends up 207. Uh, if you got it early... If you got it early, you pushed. If you got it late, you, it was a loser if you were playing the game under. I would look at this game under tonight. Obviously, the Knicks are Knicks are in a spot. They can't move up to third, right? So they're sitting at fourth, half a game ahead of the Hawks for fifth, a game ahead of the Heat. Really, the Celtics to overcome them, three games, not enough time left. Heat are playing the Celtics. So the Knicks are pretty much, you know, they're not going to be forced into the playoff, and they can't get up to a three. I would agree with you. There are a couple factors to remember in this game when we look at this total. Last time around, these two teams met combined for 39 turnovers. Lakers had 24 themselves. The Knicks just 18% of the three-point arc. I don't think the Lakers have 24 turnovers. So if you just assume they have, say, 14 turnovers, even that's a little bit of a high number. If they have 10 less turnovers, and if they could just convert 50% of those, or even 40% because the Knicks defensively, you're still looking at eight additional points. So for me, if you take into uh, consideration points per possession, they're probably a good possibility of this game exceeding it. I just can't play this total. I, I think if you're looking at this one, I think you take a look at the Knicks plus the five here. 
I don't like the Lakers laying the points. They had the big win against Phoenix. Can they bounce back and play well in this game against the Knicks team that needs this basketball game to stay in the top four? I thought Sunday night was very impressive against Phoenix. They never really let the Suns get a run to get back in that game after halftime. No, they really didn't. No. You know, I was, I was sitting there looking at the score, and I'm like, hey, they got a chance. Maybe Phoenix, I'm sure people probably took them. They were down 12 at the break. Mm-hmm. Thought the Suns make a run. No chance. Lakers did a great job on that one. And I was surprised to see them catching that many points with AD in the lineup. I, I don't know why people don't realize what Anthony Davis is. If he's healthy and he's on his game, I think he's probably the biggest uh, difficulty in terms of matching up overall. He's probably the most complete player offensively, defensively. He can stretch the perimeter and knock down free throws. He can do it all. We just talked about the Suns and that loss on Sunday night to the Lakers. They currently sit a game and a half behind the Jazz for the number one seed in the West. They travel north to Oracle tonight to take on the Warriors' four-and-a-half-point favorite with a total of uh, 230 tonight. These teams met in early uh, April with the uh, Phoenix Suns taking care of business in Phoenix 120-98. to 98. You know, I think it's a good bounce-back spot for Phoenix here. Remember, they're a game and a half back in terms of the Utah Jazz, so they still have an opportunity to technically catch them. Just one game back in the loss column. I like uh, Phoenix here. I think anytime you have a good team that gets embarrassed, it's a good opportunity um, in terms of looking at them and bouncing back in this particular spot. Just a, a note we got from our producer, Jacob. Although LeBron is officially listed as out, there are some rumors swirling that he's aiming to try to play tonight. So uh, keep that in mind if you're thinking about betting this game. Obviously a huge difference. Is this kind of like the broken hand after the finals you're going to tell us after the fact? I'm just curious with him. I mean, you know, to me it's funny. This is the one thing the NBA needs to do a much better job of disseminating information in terms of injuries. They realize that their product is unwa- somewhat unwatchable and people watch because they gamble on it. Give them the proper information. That's why the NFL puts out an injury report on Tuesday. There's no other reason for the injury report. Yeah, and the NHL, stop with this upper lower body. Specific injuries, please. Well, because you might actually try and jam your stick into a guy if you know where the injury is. I'm just telling you, that's the, I don't have a problem with that in the National Hockey League. But to me, in It's ter- the goalie. Let us know what's wrong with him. No, because then what you do is you have one of your guys go inside. Shoot their- high, shoot low. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, Mavericks uh, taking on the Grizzlies tonight. An interesting matchup here. A one-and-a-half-point road favorite, a total of 227. This was a great game just three weeks yeah. ago with the, the Mavericks winning by one. Of course, Porzingis is still out. When we look at the playoff picture, the Mavs currently hold the five seed, just a half game ahead of the Blazers. Not going to make the four. They're too far back, four games back of the Nuggets. Grizzlies currently in the nine hole, a half game back of the Warriors, and two games ahead of the Spurs in 10. Yeah, this was a competitive game you mentioned last time around. Dallas was a three-point favorite in this one, and I think this one was played in Memphis the first time around. Again, this is a um, back uh, a rematch back in Memphis here. What's the line you said on this one? One and a half here. Uh, so a little bit of an adjustment uh, to me. Mavericks playing well. They've won four in a row. Good opportunity here. I like to look at in the NBA. I think a lot of times you look at a previous game. It gives you an indicator in terms of the box score, how these games could potentially play out. Uh, for me, this is a complete stay away here. Memphis is a team for me. I generally like to take them at home getting points. Uh, this would be a scenario I'd look at the Grizzlies here. Is one and a half enough? It's not. That's the one thing. But I think they have an opportunity to win at home. And I think it's a fair question you ask. Usually speaking, I'm looking at something at three and a half or better. And I think the one and a half is a little bit short. Big news, of course, Jalen Brown's out for the remainder of the season with a torn ligament in his left wrist. Um, the SL ligament this is from a viewer. The SL ligament is probably the most important one in the wrist to coordinate synchronous movement of your eight carpal bones. So they move as a unit, not a bunch of marble. Surgery repairs the ligament with anchors and synthetic suture like they use in rotator cuff surgery. Then temporary pins that stay in for 1 to 12 weeks. Following this is a long rehab to regain motion and strength of motion. Of course, a big blow for the Celtics. We just saw this matchup on Sunday. Uh, the Heat won. They've won three in a row on the road. They, they won in Boston, uh, 130 to 124. And you see them installed as a one-and-a-half-point favorite tonight against the Celtics. 
with a total of 225 a mole. Sounded like one of those Michigan kinesiology major football players. I didn't know what else you're going to break down for us. Listen, this is a huge blow in terms of when you look at uh, Jalen Brown being out for the uh, Boston Celtics in this one. By the way, every player in Michigan seems to major in kinesiology. I don't think they're, uh, they have the option to major in anything else. This Celtics team is going the wrong way. You know, our producer, Celtics super fan number one over there, still reminiscing about the 86 season where the Seas went 40-1 and one at home, hoping to turn back the pl- uh, clock 35 years even before he was born. But more importantly, this Boston team, they need to uh, change the head coaching position. They've got two great pieces in terms of Jalen Brown and, of course, the kid out of Duke, Jason Tatum. He's been outstanding. They've got cornerstones they can build around. But some of their signings have been horrendous. Kemba Walker, you cannot sign a guy who, I mean, who's not even 6'2 and pay him $128 million unless his name is Allen Iverson. Is this more about Danny Ainge than Brad Stevens then? Great question, and you know what's funny? Danny Ainge has collected a plethora of first-round picks over the years. All I hear every time is Boston's got all 28 chips. picks. Look at all the They're, chips they got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got 28 of the 30 picks in the first round, right? But they traded for like a bag of practice balls. I mean, like it's like they're trading for George Murison. Can they actually get a player that can contribute sometime within the next five years? Everybody they bring in, they don't have an impact. To me, when you look at the history of the Celtics, they should be more impactful in terms of the free agent market. Kemba Walker? What do you want? Cardiac Kemba from UConn? This is not the NCAA tournament. This is not MSG. This is not the horrible zone that Jim Beheim plays. To me, get somebody that can have an impact. This team should be able to win because Tatum, combined with the right guy, this should be an Eastern Conference challenger to Brooklyn, to Philadelphia, and to Milwaukee. And they and they were thought of as going into the season, being one of, being one of those teams in the yeah, mix. Yeah, but there's also a lot of people thought Kansas City Royals were going to win the division. Well, we'll talk about the Royals in the next segment, I think, or maybe <laughs> even at the end of this one. I was dying to ask Bob Ryan on Friday the question you just posed. When is the Brad Stevens experiment going to end in Boston? You know, look, I think Brad Stevens has got the great disposition to be an NBA coach. I think he understands his role. You know, some of these guys sometimes want to go in and they don't realize that uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown are the guys that are going to call the shots to a certain extent. Maybe they're younger. They came from good college. Well, I don't know if Jalen Brown came from a good college program. I don't think anybody ever said that about Cal. Uh, But the reality of it is, obviously, we know Tatum comes from Duke. To me, I still think he can be an effective coach. I just think they need some pieces on the interior that are more effective for them. I mean, Grant Williams out of Tennessee, what are we playing? Intermurals in Knoxville and everybody's under 6'5"? This is the NBA. Give me somebody with some height. You see it. Joel Embiid comes out there and looks at Grant Williams and says, who's the ball boy? I mean, come on. you got to get somebody that can play in there. Let's hit one more game here tonight because this is one of your favorite handicapping spots. Charlotte getting points at home. Yep. Denver travels to Charlotte tonight. This is one of the earlier games, 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern. Nuggets are a a five-and-a-half point favorite on the road. They currently hold the four seed, just a game behind the Clippers for the three in the West. The Hornets currently sitting in the eight seed in the East, two games behind the Celtics for seven, a game ahead of the Pacers in in nine, and a game and a half of the Wizards in ten. Five and a half point favorites the Nuggets are in this spot. Is that enough to take with a 223 total? Is that enough for you to grab this here with Charlotte? I'll tell you what, it is It is with Charlotte, yes, because remember for the Hornets, this is an important game. They want to stay in the eighth spot uh, so they could potentially be looking at facing off against Boston. But more importantly, I'm looking at this in an anti-Denver play from this perspective. They're currently the four seed in the West. They're, I think, a game behind the Los Angeles Clippers, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, one game back. But they would be facing off against the Dallas Mavericks in the first round. Would you rather play the Dallas Mavericks or would you rather play Portland? I would rather play Dallas. I think Portland is a little bit more dangerous with their really? experience. You know what? To me, when you look at the experience that Damian Lillard has, I think they've got a better opportunity than I think the Mavericks would. I mean, look, we know how good 
uh, Luka Doncic is. But other than that, I think Dallas is a team that Denver could potentially have an easier time with. I agree with you for the fact that Dallas is not great at home, which right. does not bode well for the playoffs. Yeah, and know. Denver's always tough when you factor in altitude and other things. Yeah, and and then, but the thing is, I think Dallas has played better the last three weeks and have started to be more of the team that we thought they were going to be. I, I don't disagree with you, and I think you bring up a very valid point there. But I look at it from this perspective. This game, for me, from a standings perspective, is a little bit more important and imperative for Charlotte than it is for the Denver Nuggets. And I think down the stretch, when you get into these final half a dozen games, you've got to look at the standings and take into consideration where teams are in terms of, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to suggest or imply that Denver's like, hey, we want to play Dallas. The players, if you ask them honestly, and I think they mean this, they don't care. But I think sometimes we understand when a team's back is against the wall and they have something to play for and maybe not as much to play for on the flip side has an impact. I'm going to play him tonight. I'm going to take this five and a half because you've been so successful in doing that with this team at home this year. And I agree with you. Den- Denver is Denver's in a spot here where they're not advantageous to move up. Uh, so really not a lot to play for a long trip across the country. Whereas Charlotte's fighting for a spot here to be a better in a better position where they don't have to win as many games in this play-in tournament. Yeah, and I think, again, getting six points. Now, you have some concern. Miles Bridges out. Devontae Graham, I think, is going to be out as well. But for me, I still think six points on the road is a bit of a big number. If this were, you know, three and a half or so, I could appreciate taking Denver, but not a five and a half. When we come back, we're going to take a look at Major League Baseball action tonight, including the number one team in the AOS traveling to play the number one team in the AL East. This is the Nuts here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into the Nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw, and we're going to take a look at some of the better Major League Baseball games today. We actually kind of put a list together today. There were a lot of games. Yesterday was really bereft of pitching matchups outside of uh, the Rangers and the Giants last night. Stayed but, under uh, comfortably. Yeah, 3-1. to one. But today uh, today there's uh, several great pitching matchups here, and, and a more interesting card to bet in, the, in baseball today, in my opinion. Let's start with the battle between the two division leaders in the in the American League, with the A's he- heading east to take on the Red Sox. Um Interesting pitching matchup here as well. Bassett taking on Nathan Evoldi, the one-time Yankee. Of course, great stuff for Evoldi. Still throws the ball close to 100 miles an hour here. And the Red Sox scoring a ton of runs this year. A little bit of a low total here in Boston. Eight and a half here in this game with the Red Sox. Small home favorite at uh, about $1.25. Yeah, just based on the initial number, I'll tell you what jumps out to me is a potential over Fenway mm-hmm. Park. Both teams potentially getting to four runs there. But when you look at it, Boston right now, number two in baseball, at uh, 5.2 runs per game. On the flip side, you look at this uh, Oakland team. They continue to struggle offensively. Just bet, Mike, 219 as a team. But here's the funny thing. They're not even in the bottom four in terms of hitting. That's how pathetic some of the hitting has been in baseball this year. Uh, so I think this is one you have a little bit of a concern because can Oakland be consistent enough offensively? But if all the ambassadors have both done a solid job for their teams this year, and this this is, I think, one that I don't know if people thought based on the way Oakland started, they would be sitting at 21-15. and 15. Red Sox have gotten off to a terrific start and have not regressed at all yet. Well, outside of their 13-game winning streak, they haven't been that special. But, but, 
other than that, how did you enjoy the play, Mrs. Lincoln? <laughs> so, so you're saying you take that 13 game streak away? They're eight and 15. Yeah. Okay. Outside of that, well, what they start one and seven, right? And, and, and Melvin was thought to be on the hot seat. Uh, another matchup between division leaders. This time, the same division. Uh, the first place St. Louis Cardinals traveled to Milwaukee to take on the second place Milwaukee Brewers. You might have missed a telecast. I know you were busy yesterday. You had some business to attend to. But Paul Howard in his end pocket dig about the Cardinals to win the NL Central at plus 140. Tonight we have Quang Young Kim for the Cardinals, who I bet last time against Stroman, uh, and we cashed that ticket uh, in St. Louis, taking on the one of the uh, Peralta cousins or twins or brothers or whatever this is. It's still pitch Wandy, and this will be Freddie Peralta tonight for the Brewers. We see the Brewers, a 130 home favorite. Total seven here in this game, I'm all. Yeah, you know, you mentioned it. I'm with Paulie on that one in terms of the Cardinals. I was surprised that they're still the second favorite to win this division. Currently, they're ahead of the Saint, uh, Milwaukee Brewers by two games. I think this is a team that could go acquire somebody needed at the trade deadline. They're pitching, especially with Jack Flaherty. I think he's a number one. He's a guy that you can give the ball to late down the stretch in August and September. He can go seven innings, give up one or two runs. In terms of this individual matchup here, I thought the total was a little bit low being in Milwaukee. I thought this is still very hitter-friendly park in Miller. I think there's an opportunity here. Uh, I'm not going to touch this game, but I thought it was an intriguing game in terms of the division. And the reason is if St. Louis would be able to come into Milwaukee and continue their winning streak and really come out of here with a strong three-game sweep, it really could put some problem. I understand being five games back, you know, still only in early May. But I always go back to something Davey Johnson had said years ago, and I'm, you know, dating myself here. The 86 Mets went in the St. Louis and swept the four-game series, and Davey Johnson goes, we won the division in May that year. It was over. And sometimes if you can come into a situation on the road with a team, it gives you an opportunity, gives you an upper hand. And, Mike, you know, one of the things I think that gets overlooked is, and we talked about this with the Padres-Dodgers weekend series, Dodgers look great down in San Diego in Petco, but they won only they only went up one game in the standings, even though they were dominant for two of the three games. The Padres are now ahead of them in the standings. And so, to me, when you can jump ahead by a large margin, it makes a huge difference. So, I think it's an uh, important game for both sides here, uh, looking towards the over here, potentially. There is one matinee game today, and you talked about the Padres being ahead of the Dodgers. How about the first place San Francisco Giants at 21-14? and 14. Three games ahead of the Dodgers heading into this game. Great pitching last pitching matchup last night. Wood outdueled Kyle Gibson. Today, this is the one matinee game, 12.45 p.m. Pacific, 3.45 Eastern. Um, we have a matchup between uh, Logan Webb and Jordan Lyles, who's one of the top five in ROI so far this year uh, when you t- look at starting pitchers in baseball. Total of eight here in San Francisco with the Giants, a $1.40 favorite. Day uh, up game. to $1.55, sorry, Mo. Day game, San Francisco, twelve forty-five. got to look at the over here. Neither mm-hmm. of these pitchers are stellar. Both come in with whips better than 1.5. I think we'll see a way both of these teams are able to get some runs. Texas scares me a little bit because they're feast or famine in terms of scoring. It seems like when they score runs, they do it in bunches. If not, they can't score at all. We saw them struggle last night getting just a solo run. But I think this is a good opportunity in terms of a total playing over, playing the factor of the weather and the situation and conditions in San Francisco during the day. Webb had a poor outing in Colorado last time. They gave him a lead, and he couldn't couldn't get out of the third inning. I, I would tend to agree with you here. I think he might be vulnerable in this spot, and I would look for Texas to bounce back after that 1-1 performance last night. Yeah, but I don't downgrade pitchers for a failure in Denver. But what about what Wayne tells us? It's the start after Denver that they get affected. I think Remember DeGrom point. asked Absolutely. for an extra day in his start. I, I tell you, he, <laughs> him and I talk quite often. It's some of the insight he has. He's absolutely right on I think this is a perfect example of that. So take a look at this one here. Overrate in this matchup. Amal took the day off yesterday. Does that mean he'll have more than one play today? Find out next with Amal in.
know them all. It's a great time to join VEASAN and subscribe because of all the betting tools we give you. Not only all the hosts and all the guests and all the great betting information, but on VEASAN.com. How about the parlay calculator? You ever do this? You do this. You'd bet these parlays, especially these tennis parlays. You have to put it together, figure out what it's going to pay. Take one team out, add another team, put a different game in. The parlay calculator will total it up for you. Estimated scores for every matchup in every sport. You can track line movements with live charts. Betting 101 info. What a series that Josh Applebaum put together. I mean, that's, I mean, people replay that over and over again by the fireside in the winter over a hot cup of cocoa. Start your sports days betting research free at vsin.com. All right, Amal, you took the day off yesterday. You previewed the landscape in the NBA, Major League Baseball, a full card today. I'm sure you're ready to fire. What do you got? I've got one play. I just wasn't sure if you were going to get to it within the next 10 minutes based on how you were going on. Well, I, I get chills when I think about the betting 101 series. I do. Oh, well, you know what? You might have to step up what you're doing. We did one of, of those, remember, with I the hockey? Not. Me and you. We did a hockey betting 101 with uh, winner, winner, chicken dinner, Sam Pentejanovic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, that's, that is correct. I've got a play in baseball today between Kansas City and Detroit. What are you laughing at? That is at? correct. What do, you, what do you want to say? I remember what you said. You weren't said. here when we were doing it. I, I shouldn't expect you to remember it. <laughs> so anyway, um, I like this Kansas City-Detroit game under seven and a half runs. I know we're going to break this matchup down in just a second, but I understand you're on this game as well. So just one play for you. I know you're going to be disappointed there weren't multiple plays. Uh, yesterday, I actually had multiple plays, but I wasn't here to give them to you. Uh, under seven and a half here between Casey and Detroit. Well, what were they yesterday? I like Arizona. They lost six in a row. I thought it was a good spot to bounce back against the Marlins team that really can't score. I thought you might be on this Arizona game under again tonight in the, the same uh, pitching match, but it's the same pitching matchup, right? Lopez and Baumgartner? How I don't take the Memphis Grizzlies and Charlotte on the road. I don't bet unders in, in, in Chase. Fact, yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I, I get it. I, I am on the same game on the Tigers-Royals game, but I'm on his side. I'm taking Boyd here as a home dog, plus 111, and we're going to break down uh, our feelings on this game shortly. Then I'm going to take John Means, number one ROI in baseball. Uh, going on the road tonight, plus 135. I thought this was a, a, just a great price on Johnny Means right now. Coming off the no-hitter. We've seen pitchers off the no-hitter not be that bad this year. There's been an angle, you know, to bounce off the no-hitter. They haven't, though. They haven't at all. Molly was was good. Uh, and, uh, you know, Musgrove was the only one that had a short start. He only got through four and two-thirds. But I, I'm an anti-Stroman guy because I think he has a lot of talent. But anytime something goes wrong behind him or if he doesn't like an umpire and he thinks they're squeezing him, God forbid somebody makes an error. The first baseman dropped a pop-up in St. Louis, and he lost his mind, gave up three runs that inning. I think if there's that vulnerability with Stroman, you can get a big innings off of him. So I'll take means plus 135. I would love it if Frank Lindor, who's locked in, right, with the Mets, got a <laughs> yeah. great contract, just uh, airmail a couple of throws if he doesn't like uh, Marcus <laughs> Stroman. Then let's really yeah. put him in the grinder. All right, let's go back to this game, Royals-Tigers. Yeah. You like it under. I like the Tigers. Kansas City, eight in a row losers, going from first place in the division the third place. And then the other side of this is Matthew Boyd has just been terrific. Uh, he had a terrible season last year. Many would say the worst season of an American League starting pitcher. What he's done with his ERA and his whip and reducing it from six down to two and from 1.4 down to under one has been very impressive. You, you like the under. Yeah, I do, because when you look at these two guys, they matched up in Detroit back on April 24th. Singer went seven innings, gave up just the three hits and one earned run. Boyd, just as effective, actually a little bit better, eight hits, three uh, hits, excuse me, eight innings, three hits, and one earned run in that game. But here's my concern when you look at these two teams. Detroit in their last uh, 21 games, Mike, they've scored a whopping 62 runs. This offense is absolutely non-existent. It's hard for me to back a team 
uh, in terms of the just inability to score. I, I can't get behind that despite the fact that Boyd's on the mound. Yeah, they don't hit. That's the thing. And you talk about teams with batting averages at 200. I mean, I think they had seven out of nine in the lineup the other day with a batting average below 200. Uh, so the, there's little punch there. You know, the other thing is Kansas City, just 21 runs during their eight-game losing streak. On the flip side, the Royals in their last 36 innings, just four runs. So that's the only reason I don't like your play is even though I think Detroit's got a chance here, Neither team can score, but I think Kansas City's got a better chance to end their losing streak right now. I'm a little bit opposite of you on this one. I think the Royals will find a way to get it done. Remember, they played against uh, the White Sox, against the Indians, and before that, the streak started up in Minneapolis. This is a team that has lost nine out of the last ten games. I think Detroit is the perfect tonic when you look in that central division. All right, a couple games we didn't get to that we like here on the Major League Baseball schedule tonight. Uh, In the American League Central, my guy, Kenta Kanta Kuro Maeda, Uh, travels down to play the White Sox. Uh, D.C., still in Cease, goes for the Sox tonight. Sox, a short home favorite against Maeda. Last year, you might have seen this differently. Maeda probably been about $1.30. But a low total in an American League park, 7.5. White Sox minus uh, close to 120. You know, the one thing, look, Dylan Cease, give him a lot of credit. He has been absolutely terrific the last 20 innings pitch. Mike giving up no earned runs, just seven hits. But I'm a little bit concerned about his whip. He's get, you know, he's he can have uh, he has a tendency to walk guys, and that's where you can get in trouble against a team like Minnesota, who's very capable of the long ball, particularly at guaranteed rate. You've got to be concerned with that. If C starts walking guys, Maeda's capable of coming up there throwing six, seven innings of two-run ball. So I think this is one where I might tend to stay away from this matchup itself and an important series. Remember, I talked about with the yes. Milwaukee-St. Louis situation, Minnesota-Chicago. If you are the Twins. You got to come in and you got to bring out a broom. You you just can't come in here and take two out of three. You right now are already sitting about six and a half, seven games back. You got to start making headway. I know people think it's 162 games, but the reality of it is, even though you play each other 18 times, best case scenario, you're going what? You know, probably 10 and eight. I mean, maybe 11 and seven. You don't make that much headway up when you're facing a team unless you're just so far superior to them. And these two teams are probably even with the White Sox having the better pitching. Yeah, and you as Minnesota get the the top of your rotation through the series too, so it's, that's yeah. even more important for you. Absolutely right. You're right. you know that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Remember, Rodon pitched. Like, well, he pitched Friday or Saturday in Kansas City, so you'll face him here one more time. But to me, with Maeda going, this is a game you need to win today. He pitched Friday. Yeah. Um, we hit him with the first. We both won. You won the run line, and I had yeah. the first five. All right, one more game I want to talk about, and I almost had this in the playbook, and somehow I'm probably going to get the, this bet in tonight. You say Kikuchi, I say Tomato, and the Seattle Mariners travel south to play the Dodgers, who are a mess. I mean, a real mess. They lose two out of three to the Anaheim. Almost blow a 13 to nothing lead on Saturday night. Unbelievable. Oh. No, but you know what? Give it up. Give it up to your friends in the front office for the Dodgers. Good to see they follow the analytics and you pull out the best pitcher since Pedro out of the game when he was just wheeling and dealing. Well, you figure you could let Kershaw go with a 13 nothing lead and scoreless through well, five. Well, it's a precarious lead, Mike. Got to be a little bit concerned. Walker Bueller. Bueller, Bueller, minus 240. What justifies this price tonight? I'll tell you what, Mr. Rooney must be hitting for the Mariners <laughs> in this one. That's the only way. I think it's a ridiculous price. The Dodgers right now are struggling. Look, they lose this game. They're sitting at 500. Remember this team was going to win 125 they 13, games? They were 13-2. and two. I yeah. wanted to put up the prop 116 and a half. Well, it's a, you know, look, this team can get hot. We know that. Yeah. But injuries have been decimating this team. And the way the Dodgers with their analysis, over-analysis paralysis is going to kill this team as they continue to go forward. I'm going to take Seattle in some form tonight. It's just not, not What about plus a run and a half? Um, eh, it's possible. Maybe Kikuchi first five. 
or play it under. If, I, I think Kikuchi's good. I think he's got his velocity up. Up next, Linda Cohn. We're going to ask her what she saw in Coppin State as a 15 seed over number two seeded South Carolina in the 1997 NCAA playoffs. She saw B.J. Mackey play. bets daily specials odds boost and the largest offer of live in-play options bet river sportsbook is the industry leader when it comes to online sports betting and to make your experience even more rewarding bet rivers offers the most live streams of major sports instant payouts and only one-time playthrough bet rivers your hometown sportsbook offer valid in colorado iowa illinois indiana virginia michigan and pennsylvania available play sugarhouse.com in new jersey must be 21 gambling problem illinois new jersey pennsylvania call 1-800-GAMBLER indiana 1-800-9 with it in colorado 1-800-522-4700 michigan 1-800-270-7117 virginia 1-888-532-3500 iowa call 1-800-BETS-OFF welcome back into the nuts i'm mike palm he's amal shaw and as we said, we're very pleased to have Linda Cohn join the program to talk about the NHL playoffs. Linda, of course, you see her on SportsCenter, Sirius XM, NHL Network. She hosts In the Crease. She knows all things hockey. Good morning, Linda. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike and Amal. How are you guys today? We're doing great. Better for having you on. I want to start out in the Midwest Division with these three great teams. We've had a seen a tremendous season out of Carolina. Rob Brendamore's team, they're actually going to win the division. Tampa Bay and Florida also really top five teams in the NHL. Who do you see coming out of this division? Can Carolina continue to play as well as they have, or do you give the advantage to Tampa Bay with all their experience? Yeah, I mean, the Central Division showed us during this condensed regular season that they truly are, uh, you know, the best, and they're built for the postseason. Uh, you know, you have the defending champs of Tampa Bay Lightning. How can you count them out? The reason why I say that, even though, you know, they stand in third place and they will not have home ice advantage against Florida. And oh, by the way, the first ever Sunshine State playoff series, it took a while, but it finally happened, which is great for hockey. But Tampa will get back Steven Samkos and uh, Nikita Kucherov for the postseason. That is the plan. Whether they can just turn on a switch and be great, uh, we'll have to see. But if they can, and if Andre Vasilevsky is Andre Vasilevsky, um, it's hard to count them out of coming out of that division. But I do truly like Carolina. They were the mo one of the most consistent teams all season long. They play a style of hockey that's built for the postseason, right? Great defense, great, you know, back-checking. Their forwards are opportunistic when they score. And they've gotten great goaltending. I mean, I could play goal and stop, you know, 18 shots a game. I mean, so, you know, uh, I like Carolina, and I'm going to stick with them to come out of that division. I agree with you. I love the way Njokovic has played. And, of course, Morazic getting back and being healthy last night's game notwithstanding. Linda, I want to go to the North Division. Mike has been somewhat higher on Toronto than I have. I'm not necessarily a believer. I thought they benefited from this division itself. Who do you like coming out of this division? And, by the way, can we just for a second talk about the greatness of 97 putting up 100 points when nobody else could even come close to scratching the surface in terms of point total leaders? Oh, yeah. Listen, I am like, you know, feel like I'm president of the Conor McDavid fan club. Not that he needs another supporter. Uh, and now he's up to 102 points, right, with three games left or so. Uh, nothing better than that. With all due respect to the other teams in the North, 
Um, and I'll get to Toronto in a second because we cannot discount the amazing season of Austin Matthews, uh, who leads the league in goals. And, uh, you know, and that is impressive. Another 40-goal output, at least, for him and another bright young star. Um, I'm hoping somehow, some way that Toronto faces Edmonton in that second round of the playoffs and we'd be treated to Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews in one playoff series. But there's a big part of me that just I would love to have the Edmonton Oilers in a Stanley Cup final uh, just because of Connor McDavid and then Leon Dreisaitl and what this team is doing and because of Connor McDavid. This guy uh, is not, he doesn't care about these individual milestones. If you ever hear him speak, he's all about team. He reminds me of, you know, Tom Brady when Tom Brady was doing his thing with his Patriots. And then I know he, he let his guard down with Tampa Bay. And, and, you know, he's a little more of his personality has come out. But Connor McDavid is not in it for, you know, these individual uh, awards. He's in it to win Stanley Cup championships. And he is so serious and so humble. And uh, he, he is the most exciting player on ice. And, boy, would that boost the National Hockey League to have someone like that. With all due respect, everyone else trying to get to a cup final. Uh, Connor McDavid, we need him in the postseason as long as possible, alive and well. Speaking with Linda Cohn of ESPN of Sports Center, Sirius XMHL Network, and of course on ESPN Plus, you watch her on In the Crease. Linda, let's turn our attention to the East. I think that the Penguins, the Capitals, and the Bruins have really gotten all the attention. And Barry Trotz's New York Islanders sort of flying under the radar here. You can still get them at close to 28 to 1 to win the cup. Such a great defensive style of hockey. Hard to score on them. Very important in the playoffs. Do you think the Islanders have a shot? And is there any value in a 28-1 to ticket right now? Yeah, great question. You know, I think it all depends if they get the offense. It's always about whether they can put the puck in the net, right? You know, not losing their captain halfway through the season, Anders Lee, really put a damper on any kind of Stanley Cup uh, championship hopes for them. Lou Lamorello pulled off the deal, of course getting a, a couple of devils to wear Islander uniforms. And um, that really hasn't been a huge boost, but maybe things will change in the postseason. One thing we know about playoff hockey, and your listeners know this as well, and you have to keep this in mind, especially when you're deciding to throw a few shekels down on a team, you know, is the fact that it's a different game. You know, it doesn't matter what happens in the regular season. You know, I had moments ago mentioned Connor McDavid. I don't know if Connor McDavid is going to be allowed to skate wild like he has been as, he, as we've seen in the regular season, it's a different game in the postseason. Um, you know, and, and so the superstars, the elite stars, like the Nathan McKinnons, the Colorado Avalanche, these kind of guys, you know, it's going to take uh, something to put up that kind, those kind of numbers and be effective. So when you look at an Islanders team that is great at suffocating, and I mean suffocating, uh, opposing stars, and in this case it's going to be, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin, who they're going to face, in the first round, that's going to be a close series. So, um, you know, I still don't think they have enough firepower, though, uh, to I don't even think they're coming out of that division. Um, I picked the Bruins before the season started, and I'm going to stick with them because, honestly, I think, you know, that perfection line, we know the names, Bergeron, Pasternak, of course, you know, and uh, Marshawn, who's on fire, and then they have the goaltending in Tuka Rask and uh, Yaro Halak. And even the kid Jeremy Swayman. So I still like the Bruins coming out of that division. 
by the way, first time in history any Ranger fan ever spoke positively of the Islanders and didn't include Dennis Potvin sucks. <laughs> so we appreciate that, Linda. I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go out west. Colorado Avalanche had had a terrific season. Grubauer in net is terrific. I love the speed when you look at McKinnon, Ranton, and Kel McCarr in the back line. But I still have some question marks. Last night, Robin Leonard plays. I think Andre Fleury's an upgrade with the experience, the talent, third winningest goaltender in NHL history. Who do you like coming out of this division in terms of Colorado and Vegas, or is it someone else? Yeah, I mean, last night when Vegas lost 2-1, to one, that was a bit stunning. Not, not earth-shattering for me. But the problem for Vegas, if they really were putting their sights on, you know, getting St. Louis in the first round as opposed to Minnesota, who could be, you know, tricky, um, you know, now – now everything in Colorado is, you know, it's in their own hands, right? All they have to do is win out these two games in a row against the Kings, and they'll win the division, they'll win the President's Trophy, and they'll get St. Louis in the first round. Um, you know, Colorado, it all depends on Grubauer's health. I mean, I know he's he's 100% now, which is great news for the Avs, but the guy tends to get hurt, um, so they have to keep him upright and healthy. I have no, I I just did a survey with my colleague uh, ESPN's Greg Wyshynski, and we voted the you know, of all the playoff teams, the best goalie tandems. And I'm still sticking, sticking with Marc-Andre Fleury and Robin Leonard, even though, you know, I love Leonard, but my guy is the flower. I mean, um, you know, Pete DeBoer loves them both, and I get it. I have tremendous respect for Pete DeBoer, head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. But when you want a big save at a big time, it's Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, you know, I, I don't see him letting in too many bad goals, you know. and uh, But I still think they're the best goalie tandem in the league and I'm sticking by it and I still Vegas was my preseason pick to win the Stanley Cup and I'm not jumping off that ship anytime soon. Linda there's uh, one first round matchup that we know and the odds are already posted on it it is Carolina who's going to be taking on Nashville one versus four uh, in the central division currently the Hurricanes are listed as a 240 favorite to win that series you can get 190 on the Predators coming back is that too short of a price? I would have thought this would have been closer to three dollars or three thirty. No, I think Carol. I think the only way Nashville's going to win a game uh, or two is their goaltender UC Soros. I don't even think Pecorino is going to see the light of day in this uh, series. I think it's going to be quick. I mean, Carolina means business. Uh, I, 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 you know, it, it could be a sweep. With all due respect to the Predators, who I, I love and I love Nashville hockey and the fan base is fabulous. But this is not their year. I think their big victory was getting past Dallas and getting a playoff berth. Um, Carolina is for real. I mean, their coach, Rod Brindamore, is going to win the Jack Adams. It's, it's just a no-brainer. Um, this team is a reflection on him. Uh, I feel like in the past, meaning last year, year before, you know, you thought about the Carolina Hurricanes, you thought about their surge, you know, how they entertain the fans. Uh, after wins, and it was great. And, uh, and, and you know, some people thought it was a circus act. Remember Don Cherry when he was on the year criticizing Carolina, which I never understood. Then you had last year with the emergency goalie situation with David Ayers, and that was a fun story. But this year, guys, uh, they're all business. They're, they're in it to win the Stanley Cup. So I think they're going to make short work of Nashville. Linda, we really appreciate taking the time and breaking down each of the divisions in the playoffs. Tremendous information. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Have fun. Have a great day. You Thank too. You, you too. That was great. Uh, I'll tell you what. I like her pick before the season on VGK, but I'm telling you I'm a believer in the avalanche. If. If. If what? They show up? Yes. If DeBoer 
insists on rotating the goalies and doesn't go just with Flurry, I think you're right. I think Colorado has the advantage because Grubauer is better than Leonard. Leonard is at the end of the year last year. The debate was why are they still playing Flurry, right? Because Leonard had been better. Yeah. Flurry has had the much better season. Leonard with the end, I mean, he had the concussion. He was out a month and a half, and then he has the strange comments about COVID protocols. I was surprised Flurry didn't play last night in that game where they could have clinched the president's. By the way, was it Alex Tuck that missed the empty netter last night? Yes. Can't miss those if you're playing the Colorado Avalanche. Tremendous game, though, and Grubauer was great. It really was. From the East, who do you like? Boy, it's interesting because of the the, – I I still think Washington has the highest ceiling. I'm not a believer in Pittsburgh. Neither am I. I I think it's Washington or Boston probably. I like Carolina. Yeah, Carolina's solid. You can't count out the champs, though. Thanks for joining us today. Stay tuned. Next on VEASAN. Betting across America.